टिल टूडे आई नॉट हैड अ सिंगल केस ऑफ एनी कंपनी काउंटिंग टाइम एज अ रिसोर्स द ओनली रिसोर्स दैट यू हैव विच इज एग्जैक्टली इक्वल टू योर कंपेटिटर्स रिसोर्स secondly this is the only resource which is predictable you don't know where the market will be next month you don't know where the world will be going next month but you know that next month and next year and next 10 years the day will still have 24 hours and no more let's see if every business understands this what i just said probably they would invest their time a little more cautiously This is episode number 114 of The Inspiring Talk with Brigadier Sushil Vaseen. Welcome back inside yet another episode of The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm your host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. In this episode of the show I have Brigadier Sushil Vaseen who loves to call himself Time Brigade. He is a time investment strategist and author of the book Million Dollar Second Time Investment Strategies for the Digital Age. He is also a master trainer on leadership who creates an impact on audiences by the stories he shares from military as well as corporate experience. When I look back at my life there are a few people who have had a big role in helping me become who I am today. Brigadier Vaseen is one of those people. He is the one who got me started on this whole journey of personal transformation. He has been my mentor throughout. I had him on the second episode of the show and I'm so glad to have him back on the Inspiring Talk podcast yet again. In this episode we go deep into the concepts of time investment and I bet some of these strategies you will learn in this episode are unheard of. You will also learn how to build self discipline and what he learned about it from the time he was in the army. Now sit back and enjoy my conversation with my mentor Brigadier Sushil Vaseen. Brigadier Vaseen, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Vijay. It's such a great pleasure to be with you today. I can remember the time when you first took me on to the second episode, and Vijay, uh, I had never done podcasting before, and that was the first time I was speaking into a mic, and uh, I didn't know that so much of time has gone by, and you've done more than hundred episodes after that. So that's that's a great journey, and I'm so proud of. you to see you uh, roaring heights and of course there's plenty of more space i know you're going to go much much higher uh, so god bless you and keep going high awesome thank you so much for your kind words and uh, you have been part of the journey and you have seen me from the very beginning of the journey thanks again so without spending a lot of time now i want to get straight into this time management is dead with the digital disruption what do you mean You know, Vijay. Why I say that is when we started learning about time management, and that is, you know, from those early forties and fifties in the times of David Allen and all uh, Eisenhower model. All these people, they were just focused on efficiency. 
when you're talking of time productivity, it was basically a physics formula, uh, which is a ratio of input to output that was being applied to time. That how do you get the best by putting in the least amount of time? So by doing something quicker, smarter, faster, you could save time, and that saved time you used to do more work. So that was how it was going on. But in this complete concept, there was no place for emotions. There was no place for mood. There was nothing else. It was totally a mechanical thing. But later on, uh, people started realizing, and one of the people who really threw good light on it was Rory Vaden in his TED Talk on how to multiply time. When he said that the emotions are missing in this, and that got me thinking, and I got deeply into how to integrate emotions as well. So when I say time management is dead, just try to imagine that if in those 15, 20 years earlier, or maybe even earlier, if you wrote a letter in Delhi, and even in the same city I'm talking about, you would get take about 8 to 10 days to get a reply. So that means the reaction time available to people was enough to plan, cater, make your to-do list, allot your timings, and all those uh, tools worked very well. But now, the digital disruption has changed the game completely. Now, when you get a WhatsApp message, people expect you to answer in a few minutes, if not seconds. And therefore, that reaction time is not there. That uh, luxury of being able to prepare and foresee and chalk out your... So, I make my to-do list, but tomorrow one client comes and upsets that to-do list completely. Because if I have a very important client coming in tomorrow, I will throw away all my other routine matters and take that on priority. So, the priorities keep shifting on a very, very fast pace. And uh, change has always been there. Change was there since the beginning. But the speed of change has become a challenge. And that is why old time management techniques are dead. You have to apply them. They are still there. But you have to apply them in a new format. You have to modify them, refine them. Because in their original form, they are not at all usable today. Then how do we go about adapting what we had, the knowledge that we had about the time management and everything that we have learned or that we have been told about time management and marry them with the fast changed or fast paced environment that we live in today? How can we adapt and what are the core foundational things that we need to like if you if you had an ambassador car, the ambassador car principles of uh, auto cycle hasn't changed. The, the principles of car haven't changed. But when you now have automatic gears and you have, uh, you know, all types of uh, new modifications added to it. Similarly, in time management, keeping the basics there, it's application changes and a lot of new things get added. I would say, and taking from my army example, see earlier, Vijay, what were you doing? You were firing at a target, which was fixed. And you were also firm on the ground, whether you're, you know, we used to have firing uh, in standing position, sitting position, kneeling position, lying position. Any position, you were firm on the ground, right? But yeah. today, that luxury of firing on a static target is over. Today, I only fire on moving targets. 
and when targets are moving i am moving too so i am walking and firing on moving targets that is what time management difference is i am no longer firing on a fixed target and the way we have to be prepared for the future i am imagining that i'll be jumping and firing on flying targets rather than moving targets you know it's something like when you play a video game that there are things hanging around in the air and you catch them and if you don't catch them on time they fall down exactly that that if you are not able to get very very apt at your time management and uh, when i'm talking about time management i'm also talking about time consciousness that if it is not in your dna that you don't understand the value of time and if you don't take immediate action because there's no time to calculate advise and mull over it deliberate no it'll have to be intuitional and then intuition has to be built up by your consciousness so it is something like grabbing opportunities because it's become a part of your habit it's become a routine that you will say oh here's an opportunity let me grab it and you'll be able to compare opportunity a with opportunity b and say which one is the one that is more advantageous to me right now so you mentioned time consciousness what is that so time consciousness is basically time awareness am i aware of the value importance and relevance of time now when the awareness comes in which means that i don't have to sit down and calculate anything it becomes a part of my dna it becomes a default setting of my wiring of the brain and that happens by a certain amount of practice so i do some time management courses in which i uh, help people build up this consciousness and this consciousness is quite akin to what you do in the gym it doesn't happen in a day you have to do it on a daily basis and there are some tools that i have devised for this where you work day after day after day maybe about after 30 days you'll start seeing some results just like when you go to the gym you don't come back having lost your weight you don't come back having become fit it takes you months of going regularly to the gym that will make it happen so time consciousness is basically getting the pulse of time the value of time into your mind and because it happens consciously and then you know what it is about you start understanding that your time and others time relationship it's not only my time it's your time as well so for example when i call for an uber and the uber guy comes late and that makes me late for my meeting and in the meeting there are 10 people waiting this one person who came late has caused the time wastage of 10 more people now this the cab driver doesn't know because he's not time conscious he doesn't know that so this is a real story that i want to tell you here to build up this case i had gone to bangalore and uh, it was my book launch and i had to go to the sapna book house which is on mg road so i didn't want to go to the asc mess where i normally stay because that's a little far and traffic can be very very bad in bangalore and i was there only for a day so i wanted to make sure that i don't waste time on the traffic so i said let me go and stay close to the bookshop i booked a hotel when i went and checked in there i found that the hotel really was very very different from the website and i didn't like it at all now i didn't want to stay there and uh, while i was now looking for an alternative hotel 
I suddenly realized that I had forgotten that very close by was an army institution called the RSI. And they also have guest rooms. So I just walked up there because it was very close to where I was standing that time. And uh, I asked him, is there a room? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, just wait. I'm getting my baggage and I'll take a room. He said, okay. So I went, picked up my baggage, came there. Then I asked this Uber to park the car and I said, look, go and get the keys. So when I went to him and said, give me the keys, he said, sir, first you have to sign up and pay for it. I said, I'll do that. I've got a cab waiting outside. Let me go and keep the baggage. And the room was about 200 yards away. So with my baggage mm. and my knee problem, I didn't want to walk that. So, but he insisted that I have to go through the formalities of filling up the form, paying, all that. I told him many other options. I said, I'll give you cash. He said, we don't accept cash. You have to pay through credit card and thing like that. So what happened, Vijay, basically was that 10 minutes I had to waste there for one, whatever reason. And now the cab driver was getting a little impatient and very rightly so. So when I came back and I was profusely apologizing to him for getting late, I suddenly heard a call on his phone and there was a lady on the other end yelling at him and saying, when I booked the cab, it said 10 minutes to go. And after 10 minutes, it still says 10 minutes. Where the hell are you? So mm. I asked him to give the phone to me and I said, ma'am, I'm very sorry. It's my fault. Tell me uh, what's the problem. She said, I'm going to miss a flight. Do you know I am a speaker? I'm going to Delhi to give a talk. There are a thousand people going to be in that hall. And I have to go from the airport straight to the hall. Imagine if I go late or I miss this flight, there'll be thousand people who will be sitting in that hall disappointed. How can I make that happen? I quickly hmm. turned the cab around. I didn't go to my room. I went straight to her place, handed over the cab to her, took another cab and came back because I didn't. I realized the importance of her time right now. Here what I'm mm -hmm. saying is, when I'm talking about time consciousness, I'm also talking of compounding of time. That one person's time, that neither that clerk, nor the Uber driver, nor I, knew that the three of us could be responsible for wasting thousand people's time. Imagine people at NCR mm. going to a hall from all over, from Gurgaon and from Noida and Ghaziabad for a lecture or a talk and this person doesn't turn up and they're going back. How many thousand hours of people have we resulted into a wastage? So, when this mm. consciousness starts coming into people, I think life could be very, very different and that's my mission. My book, Million Dollar Second, is not a book, it's a mission because I want to inculcate this time consciousness in people so that in the society we start respecting each other's time and see how much the life would become better if all of us were on the same grid. And if not all, let's say even we start with a group of people who start doing this, I feel it can become contagious where it can have a very drastic multiplying effect. Wow, I love this concept of time uh, consciousness just by being conscious of your time and also being conscious of someone else's time. Then, you know, you are, let's say, doing productive meetings because then you are not unnecessarily doing a long meetings where you know you don't need it because you yourself are just not wasting your time, but also your team's time and everyone else or maybe something else, the other task that, that is, you know, waiting you after that meeting or call or whatever that is, right? I love that concept. So 
where does the one begin? I mean, how can... Before you go further, let me just say one more thing. Way back in 2008 or 2009, uh, and I was very new into the corporate world from the army, I met this gentleman who told me something which had a great impact on me. He was a consultant, a business consultant, and he used to uh, do some work on productivity. And he told me of a case where he was consulting for a company and they used to have a quarterly conference in Mumbai where about 20 senior people used to fly in from Bangalore, Delhi, Calcutta, Chennai and all that for this conference. And uh, it was a ritual. Every quarter they used to have this conference. And it used to be for about two mm. days. Right? So he was uh, going through all this and he asked people, what will be the cost of this conference? Mm -hmm. So they just told him the cost of what, you know, they actually pay in terms of the hall, the food and all that. He said, what about the cost of attending? So people were stumped because they didn't even understand what it meant. So he says, can you please give me the cost of the travel of the 20 people and their hotel bills? So that was readily available and they quickly gave it to him. He said, can you also give me the idea of these people's two days salary? Mm. And now that nobody had. Nobody had ever thought of it. Nobody had ever worked on it. He went on to the details of saying that these people's 48 hours of time has also gone into travel and reaching here and doing that conference. Tell me, what would you not achieve if you did a video conferencing and that said that costs money and they calculated and the long story short, in three months time, they had installed a video conferencing and they started doing video conferencing instead of getting these 20 people to that company. And they said, we'll do only one annual conference for people to come and meet each other and all that. And maybe if they felt they said we will do a six monthly, I don't know whether they did that or not. He said, I suggest you do one six monthly conference for just a few hours. People come in the morning, go back in the evening. Nobody goes into any hotel and all. And that is for people to meet personally and get that little bonding. And rest of the three quarters, you do it on the on video conferencing. I don't remember the exact figure, but it was in quite a number of lakhs that the company saved by doing this. Mm. So, nowhere does a company calculate the cost of time. Nobody does. I've had a very unique experience with some of my corporate trainings where once about 10 years back, in some team building uh, or leadership work, somewhere this question came up and I said, okay, can you tell me what are the resources you have in your company? And I mm. went on a flip chart and started writing and they said from uh, money to real estate to people to goodwill, all type of things people said. But Vijay, nobody said time. They didn't set time as a resource. And then I asked many, many, many companies this. You know, it became a hobby to just check up how many people would say that. And till today, I've not had a single case of any company counting time as a resource. And my answer to them is, do you know that that's the only resource that you have? The only resource that you have, which is exactly equivalent to your competitor's resource. Only one resource, which is you're on absolutely equal ground with your competitor. Secondly, there's the only resource 
which is predictable. You don't know where the market will be next month. You don't know where the world will be going next month. You don't know where the industry will be going. But you know that next month and next year and next 10 years, the day will still have 24 hours and no more. So a resource which is equal and a resource which is predictable or the resource which is constant will not change is time. And do we really get to understand this aspect? So again, a part of time consciousness, Vijay, let's see if every business understands this, what I just said, probably they would invest their time a little more cautiously. Wow, that's so powerful. And also, you you know spoke about the concept of time investment. And you know, while a lot of people think that, hey, you know what, I have this Amazon Prime video or Netflix or you know any of these subscription, and I'm just paying maybe two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks. But going with what you have said, it's just not that three hundred rupees or four hundred rupees a month subscription that you are paying. You are also you know investing the time which is worth way more than that right so is there a formula for us to kind of uh, because you also talk about something called as early worth which also is linked to time investment so is there a way to calculate the investment or the co cost of the time yeah there is so first let me tell you that i begin by saying that don't ever use this word spend and don't say i spend 30 minutes doing mm -hmm. this say i invest doing this. Now, the reason is that our brain, our subconscious mind is very, very sensitive to the words we use. So, when you say that I'm going to spend 30 minutes, the word spend is associated like in the balance sheet with the expense. And the expense is something that goes into zero. It fades away. It sort of diminishes. So, when you say I'm going to spend 30 rupees on something, you know that the 30 rupees is going to go. It's, a, it's an expense. Gone. But when I say I'm going to invest 30 rupees, I'm looking at what return will I get. Mm -hmm. Because my mind understands this. The moment I say I'm going to invest 30 minutes with Vijay today, my subconscious mind has suddenly got a task. Mm. And the task is to now start looking out for return. Mm. What will I get out of this? Interesting. When I'm talking to Vijay for 30 minutes, what will I get out of it? And that getting out is not money. That getting out is not business. That getting out is the fun I'm having, the happiness I'm mm -hmm. getting. You know, I didn't come to this world to just be productive and uh, achieve my goals. That is not my aim. I, I came to this planet to get happiness. Mm -hmm. And if in all this, I'm losing track of all my work and my time management. So in my time management program, I do a lot of emphasis on where is your happiness index. Productivity to mil rahe, khushi se mil rahe ke nahi. Are you happily getting it or not? You're successful. Are you stressfully successful or are you happily successful? There's a difference. And we don't want you to be stressfully successful. If you have never smiled the whole day and earned a couple of lakhs of rupees, is it really worth mm. it? So we have to look at that. Now coming to what you said, this is all from Brian Tracy. So when I went to do his uh, seminar in 2012 or 13, you know, Vijay, he started by saying that there are only 10% people in this world who set their goals. And only 2% of the 10% people write their goals. And from there, he came on to 
time management and then he came to this word called hourly work and mm-hmm. he said do you know what's the worth of your one hour and there was pin drop silence and then he said the worth of everyone should know that what is the worth of my one hour if i spend one hour somewhere and i'm say, saying spend here because that time i'm not really no, conscious of investing so when i spend one hour what am i getting out what am i getting am i getting that some happiness am i getting some results am i getting some achievement what is that that i am getting and he said that we are not looking for monetary thing when i am looking at hourly worth i am not talking of the money that you get but because we don't understand this abstract thing called happiness and we can't measure happiness what he said was that one way was to equate it to currency which you understand very well so give it a value so that then your subconscious mind starts relating to a value that you give to your one hour so the formula he gave us was that your yearly income divided by the number of hours you work every year hmm. and that gives you your hourly worth so your let's say your hourly worth comes to 1000 rupees per hour and when you say 1000 rupees an hour now you can set a goal and say can i make it to 1500 Mm. which means either you start earning more money or you start doing that same thing in lesser time and save some time for other things or you do both so now when i go for a movie and i spend 2 hours with you on a movie then my cost of the time like you said about netflix i always say you think that movie cost you 500 rupees no it cost you if your hourly worth is 1000 rupees and it is a 2 hours movie it cost you 2500 rupees very powerful yeah okay so now that is what i don't understand now when i talk about time consciousness i say when you start looking at this and there's a way we do it in the end of the day you track it and what will start happening is that you will be able to compare opportunity a with opportunity b in this 2 hours should i see a movie should i go and attend a seminar should i go to sleep out of these three options that i have which one is giving me more profit profit in the sense of where am i getting more productive mm. that is where your time consciousness brings all these things together and to get to time consciousness you have to know your hourly worth you have to also look at what is the return on time invested we all understand roi return on investment that is a financial mm. return on a financial investment but what about calculating what was the result of the time that you invested in a particular thing so you get this example about you know you have three options for instance whether you want to go for a movie whether you want to go and sleep or maybe you know do some productive work or attend you know something valuable which is or maybe listen to podcast which is you know kind of taking you forward in your life right and i had neer al who has written this book called hooked where he talks about you know the concept of how you know we kind of get distracted and later on he followed that up with a book called indistractable where he talks about the concept on how you can get indistracted and the reason i'm bringing this up is you know and i had need on on this podcast and he kind of gave us the framework on how the whole shiny object syndrome as we call it kind of works right so and also all of this right for a lot of people the easy decision to make is to go and watch a movie because that's where you find your pleasure not as much pleasure in maybe doing the work or maybe doing something else but entertainment or you know because that's the easy thing and that's where you derive your dopamine from 
And all of this is linked to the idea of self-discipline. And you come from an army background where, you know, you have to go through a rigorous discipline practice. You just can't miss things there and say that, oh, you know what, I felt like doing this because you have to follow certain protocols there and you have no option but just be disciplined. So then how can someone be more self-disciplined and make sure that you don't slip off of what you want to do all the time? So before I talk about self-discipline, firstly, I need to thank you. You have probably forgotten that uh, you talked about Neer Ayal to me about six months back. Uh, you encouraged me to go and buy this book, which is there with me now, yeah. Indistractable. And that gave me a lot of uh, insights into the distractions that people are going through today. And one of the major, major, major ways of becoming time conscious today is to also be conscious of the distractions. And sometimes, without knowing, you are getting distracted. Without realizing, you are wasting time and you don't even know you are wasting time. And that is a very, very uh, powerful thing. And uh, that has become a very, very uh, vital part of my program called Distractions. Right. So thank you for that. Now coming to self-discipline. See, one day somebody was asking me, I've got about 150 videos on time management on YouTube. And somebody said, you know, which of these are good? Or mm. can you give me the top 10 that I can first watch? Mm. So I told them, all time management tips from anywhere in the world that you read or understand are not going to be working as much as this one mother tip of all mm -hmm. time management. He said, give me that, give me that. And I said, that is self-discipline. Because if you don't have self-discipline, none of the other uh, tips are going to work. They are not going to bring that result. So when I set onto a journey of time management, I should be very clear in my mind that I will first have to discipline myself to do what I want to do and not do what I like to do. Mm. I need to do what I need to do and not what I like to do. And um, here I would like to quote Gorgopal Das. He comes out of the beautiful thing and I love that example. And I give it again to all my students. He says, when you sleep at night and you set an alarm of six o'clock and at six o'clock you snooze it and then you get up at 6.15 or 6.30, what did you lose? And the people would normally say, I lost 15 minutes or half an hour of time. Yes, you did. But there's something which you lost much, much, much more. And that is your own self-worth. That you allowed to disobey yourself. That you told yourself that when I say 6 o'clock, it can be 6.30 as well. I don't even tell myself that 6 means 6. And if I want to get up at 6.30, why won't I set the alarm at 6.30 right at night? Why am I succumbing or falling prey to my own decisions. And I think it's so powerful because the day I decide to disobey myself, how will I expect others to obey me? How will I expect to obey others when I can't even obey myself? Hmm. So self-discipline comes from a basic definition. And this definition is coined from a couple of people I've heard. And one of them is Blair Singer. 
uh, I've taken some from what Blair Singer said and some I've used of my own. The definition I give is doing what you ought to do even when you don't feel like doing it and when nobody's watching you. Two things. I don't feel like getting up, but I get up. I don't feel like going to the gym, but I go to the gym. I don't feel like reading, but I read. Okay, that is self-discipline. When I know I ought to do it, I know that it is to be done and I'm not doing it. And I don't say, chalta hai. Kal kar lenge. Mm. And there's another thing which in India is the biggest enemy of all of us. Chhod yaar. Kal kar lenge. And this attitude of kal kar lenge is something that kills us. It kills our productivity. It kills our time consciousness. It kills everything. So the second thing is when nobody's watching me, which means I'm aware that this is for my good. I'm doing it for my good. I'm not putting on the seat belt because there is a policeman there. Then it's not self-discipline. But if I wear a seat belt, irrespective of whether there's a policeman there or not, then I'm self-discipline. So self-discipline is something which is the first step to any exercise on time management. Because if you don't do that, you are not going to be having that strong foundation. You see, if you, without self-discipline, start using time management principles, it is something like having a building which is standing on a very, very, very poor foundation and any storm coming, the building will be down. So you will not be able to stand up to any pressures of life if your time management is not based on self-discipline. Yeah, that's a bedrock. I said that's a bedrock. That is the fundamental. And if you want to start with uh, time management, first step is build your self-discipline. And if you are going to say, okay, self-discipline, mm-hmm. that whatever you learn on time management may not hold you in strong stead because you will be easily able to crumble under pressure. And I think that's true for not only for time management, right? For everything that we learn and everything that we say we are going to do in our life, if we don't have the self-discipline to stick to what we said we are going to do, whether that's managing my time, whether that's I want to write a book or whether that's I want to start creating content or whether I want to upgrade, upskill myself, unless you have the self-discipline to show up and do things what you said that you wanted to do, it's not leading you anywhere, right? So what are some of the ways that you suggest or what are some of the practices, if there are any, that you suggest for people to start building self-discipline? One of the things that I hear a lot of people talk often is, if you want to, let's say, you know, start going to the gym and start building discipline and don't just say that, you know, I'm going to walk out for one hour, just say that I'm just going to do for two minutes. So that I'll just go around and see how it goes so that you just make that a habit of just going and showing up. And that's one of the things that I've heard. But are there other things that you would like to share which can kind of help people build the self-discipline muscle? First thing which I learned from Tony Robbins is the first baby step. Like mm. you, you just said, start doing it. And um, Gorgopal Das gave a beautiful example in one of the seminars. He said, when he said, talk about the first baby step, he said, you want to go to the gym? Just get up from your bed and wear one shoe. Mm. If you've got one shoe on your one foot, there's no way that you will go back to bed. So you will wear the second one and you will go to the gym. 
So learn to take the first step. So whatever you're doing, like what you said, people have told me, I want to do a business. And you meet him after six months and what happened? I'm still wanting to do a business. What did you do in this six months? Nothing. Are, so you said, no, no, but how could I do anything? I don't have any money. I said, you could make a business plan. Have you made a business plan? You don't need money for that. Okay. So that means, have you taken at least, somebody says, I want to write a book. And you see him saying, I want to write a book. Have you taken the first step? He said, what's the first step? At least decide what you're going to write the book on. So the book's writing starts with an ideation. Have you just put your idea on a piece of paper and not on your mind? So if you just write down one paragraph and say, I will write a book on the subject. And then the next day you can say, okay, in this subject, I will cover A, B, C. And another day you may come out with D, E, and F. So that means you are constantly taking some step forward. The second thing is, what I am advocating a lot, I have a system of something called a bank account, where you have 86,400 seconds, and you have to equate them to one second equal to one rupee. So say that you have got 86,400 rupees with you every day, and if you don't utilize them that day, they are gone. So the next day, they become zero. Every day at night, I ask you to spend about 15 to 20 minutes and not spend, sorry, invest 15 to 20 minutes in your evaluation of the day. So the way I suggest is that you lie on your bed, close your eyes. Nobody else in the world should be there disturbing you, not your wife, not your children, not your dog, not your internet, not your TV, nothing. You should be spending that time with yourself, your me time. And in this me time, go over the complete day and say, how many of those 86,400 rupees did I utilize today? And write that down. And don't write it in seconds, write it in rupees. Now, there's no way that you can measure that accurately. But if today was a very productive day, what I wanted to do, all my to-do list was completed and whatever I wanted to do happened, Maybe I'll say, okay, let us let me put it that today I did 80,000 rupees. Okay, some of it may still have been wasted. I give, put a round figure, 80,000. And the other day I say, oh my God, today my meeting didn't happen and I wanted to write uh, something and, I, and I, I got distracted or I got a call from somebody which I couldn't say no to and so on. So today it was only 60,000. And let's say there was a day which was very bad where you found that whatever you were trying to do was not happening and you wasted a lot of time, maybe it was 40,000. And you keep writing it every day. I said, do it for 30 days. 30 days without any break. It is not the figures that matter, but that 15 to 20 minutes that you invested in thinking about it is bringing in time consciousness because it is making you realize on a daily basis, tracking which were your time wasters. Where did you really enjoy? Why are you feeling very happy today because it is 80,000 rupees? And why can't I make this happen tomorrow? And then I say you have to have a notebook or a paper pencil on your bedside table where you, after you do this thinking, you make a note of it and say, this is what happened very well today. And this is what I must do tomorrow. And this is what I shouldn't do tomorrow. This exercise will really, really build up that self-discipline in you and also make you do things with somewhere you feel weak in yourself in doing that. 
So it, it is very powerful. It has worked. A lot of my students have reported very good uh, results from this. And I guess it really works. Yeah. And I think it takes us back to the first point where we, you know, also discussed about the time consciousness and now everything is kind of coming together for a lot of people wondering, like, how do I develop the time consciousness? And I think this is a great way to start building your time consciousness. And what I also could sense from what you shared is you can't improve what you don't measure. If you don't measure something, if you don't track something, then there is no way that you can improve on it. It's only when you start tracking something, it's only when you start measuring something and when you know that where you stand today is only when you can then you know get better and better over the period of time because then you are now conscious about where you are yeah absolutely actually uh, you know i use these terms uh, tracking evaluation and uh, measuring now there are some apps today which are available which make it so easy for you so i remember about Four, five years back, I made a goal and I hired a nutritionist who used to help me. She was my fitness coach and she was giving me a diet plan and an exercise plan. And because I have knee problems, she said, you will walk 15 minutes a day. And she used to tell me to time it. And I used to time and walk at least 15 minutes a day. And then she made it to 20. After about two months, three months, she said, okay, now make it to 20. And then I made it to 25 and then 30. Okay. Now, that was a gradual increase I was doing. But still, there were not, you know, days when I couldn't walk and I was not measuring it anyway. Now, I have an app. And uh, this morning, I was seeing that because, again, of my uh, knee problem, I don't do very regular ones and all. So, I started making a goal for myself. And, you know, Bijayev, in the last four months and during lockdown, I made this walking thing a little regular because a whole day you are on your chair. Unlike other days yeah. when you were walking around, you were going in a cab, you're going for a meeting. You are walking even if you're walking in a building and all. But today yeah. it's absolutely sitting on your chair. So we started with 30,000 steps that I was doing, I think in the month of January. And uh, today on the 27th of April, I have already done 68,000. You know, I, I also like this idea of Kaizen, which says little improvement every time. Little improvement every time. Yeah. Whatever you are doing, whether it's the speed of reading, whether it's the number of hours you are putting in something, or you're, you're looking at your productivity, see at even a minor improvement that you could do over yesterday. Minor improvement. And it may not be every day, but let's say weekly basis. This week have I improved over my past performance. Hmm. So if you keep your benchmark as future projection, I say, keeping the past performance in mind. Keep keep the past performance in mind, but look at future projection. What is my goal? What am I wanting to do? Am I improving? Compete with yourself. Mm. That's the best thing. I, I do a lot of that. I don't care about the rest of the world. I don't compare myself with anyone else. I compare myself with my yesterday's performance. For the leaders who are listening to this podcast, there is this one concept that you talk about in time management, which I have never heard anyone else talk about, which is the total amount of time that a leader is responsible for. Usually, a lot of people think that they are responsible for their own time. But when you are a leader, when you are managing people, then you talk about the concept where you are not only responsible for your time, but also you are responsible for people who are working under you. 
right? That's where you got to manage people. Can you throw a bit of a light on this concept and how can leader ensure that they get maximum out of the time that they are responsible for? Yeah, so Vijay, this, this is an interesting story. Uh, and I call this compounding of time. We know compounding of money, but we don't know compounding of time. I have been saying and uh, saying very loudly for the last many years, you have 86,400 seconds and no more. No, I feel now you can get more. You can have more than 86,400 seconds in a day. And that is when you learn the art of compounding time. What a housewife does, just because she has to finish all her work and she doesn't get time to go for a kitty party or she doesn't get time to go to the beauty parlor, she employs a maid and buys her eight hours time Literally, you have purchased six or seven or eight hours of her time and that gets added to your day's time because you paid for your time and now you can go to the beauty parlor while she will wash your clothes and wash your utensils and all that. Similarly, what happens in a company? In a company, I got asking a CEO of a company. It was a general insurance company and the MD was sitting there and there were about 40 of his very senior regional managers, zonal managers and all that. And I asked him, I said, sir, how many hours do you give to your company every day? Hmm. First, I said, how many hours are you responsible for? He says, 24 hours. I said, no, how many hours do you give to your company? After all, you uh, give some time to your family, you sleep, you commute. So a lot of other work also you do. So he says, uh, that is supposed to be eight hours and I'm physically present for eight hours, but my productivity is about six hours. Mm. I said, that's very nice of you. And, you know, it requires a lot of courage for an MD to say in front of others that his own productivity is five hours. Uh, you know, how many people are there in your company totally? And he gave me some, some figure, but I rounded up to, let's say, thousand. And I said, how many hours do they work? And he said, eight hours. So I said, are you responsible to your company or are you giving your company 8 hours or 8,000 hours? Really speaking, you are responsible to your company for 8,000 hours because those 1,000 people's time productivity is also your concern. And I've written an article in Human Capital called Their Time is Your Business. Hmm. Their time is your business. You are here to make sure that the company has invested the salary amount of those thousand people by buying their time. If you bought their eight hours of time and they are productive for four hours or five hours, how much money are you losing and which company is bothered about or concerned about this leakage in your profitability? And you could do all other checks and balances, but this is something which gets uh, left out. So I met this gentleman called Michael Podolinsky, uh, who's a productivity guru of Asia. And he has done, he says, 37 countries and 37 years he's been teaching productivity. And I was with him in Goa for this PSAI boot camp. And I got talking to him. And when I told him this, he says, Sushil, I've taught this for 37 years. I've never thought of this. Can I borrow this idea from you and teach in my workshops? And I'll quote you for it. I said, thank you, sir. That will be great for me. So the point is, this is something which all leaders need to understand very well that you have to be working out a complete resource plan for your company. And 
then Vijay, what I've done, and I vouch for that, if I take on a company's top leadership, say the MD and his first level report is, let's say, six, seven, eight, whatever. So you work just on those eight to 10 people and their productivity, everyone's individual productivity is increased by 10, 20%. Do you see the compounding effect on it trickles down to the entire? So I don't have to do thousand people's training. I just do yeah. those eight or nine people's productivity training or time management training. And that takes you to a level where the entire company, because these people become more productive, they expect more productivity from people, they learn how to monitor things better, and everyone down in the chain also gets into that culture. And then I talk about the time culture. The time culture in an organization, every organization, the strongest thing it has or the weakest thing it has is the organizational culture. And if you can build the time culture into your organizational culture, it can have such a multiplying effect that people have not really understood that. And it particularly matters a lot to the small and medium business owners because they they pay for their pocket. You know, other people may still have company money and it may not, you know, you, your ownership of that money may not be so high. But from a small business owner, from a startup, that person is paying from his pocket for the people who work for him. And if their productivity is low, really speaking, if you have four people and you do this program with me and, you know, if we bring up your efficiency and your productivity, those four people could be doing six people's job and you need not hire two more people, which can be very, very productive and very profitable. I think as a leader, what I can understand from what you share is you are essentially not managing people, but you are essentially managing people's time. And uh, when you start really thinking from that perspective of, you know what, I'm not only managing my time, but also I'm managing people's time. And when you start thinking from that lens, I think it changes a lot of things. And since I, we had this conversation a couple of months back, uh, you know, I have started thinking from the perspective of that, oh, you know what, I think that was a really thought-provoking idea for me. And I kind of went on and started really thinking about it. And the more I think about it, I find it extremely, extremely powerful. And I've started taking responsibility for my team members' time as well. And so that essentially leads to the productivity of the over, uh, overall organization. No, uh, I, I just uh, realized one thing you said. See, Vijay, when a leader starts looking at that you are not managing people, you are managing people's time, I would say that needs to be qualified by saying that you are managing a people's time as a part of his overall individual self, which means you are managing his emotions, you are managing his growth, you are managing his career. Okay, so their time is a part of the overall thing, but a leader must know that you are not managing his work, you are managing yeah. that person in totality. And one of the biggest things, and of course, this many leaders have understood, I don't think there's a doubt on that. I was listening, listening to Keith Parazi and he's coming out with beautiful concepts there. Uh, of course, I've heard Simon Sinek talk a lot about, uh, you know, what leaders need to do when it comes to managing people. But overall, it is managing their emotions, managing their time, Work is the last thing you need to manage because if you manage these things, the work gets managed on its own. Yeah, absolutely. 
So now, so far in this conversation, we discussed about why time management is dead and why it is important for us to understand, you know, the fast-paced environment that we live in. We discussed about the consciousness, time consciousness, and how you can be more conscious for your time. How do you invest the time? How do you calculate time investment and the cost of it? And think about the return on investment for your time. We discussed self-discipline, but now to tie all of this together for people who are listening and saying that, but, you know, are there any ways which I can, or any systems or processes or tactics that I can use to be more productive in, in my day-to-day life? Uh, you know, how can I really go about making sure that the things that I said I'm going to do gets done? What are some of those tools or tactics or hacks that I can use in my life? So, I've made a framework and I call it the Time Creators Code. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the Time Creators Code basically uh, is an evolution that when we are not aware of time management, what we're doing is we are in the first step. And that first step, and I made a pyramid, uh, you know, so that um, the first layer of the pyramid, the bottom layer is a time consumer. A time consumer is basically a time chaser who's, you know, running around without knowing any concepts of time management and he does whatever comes in front of him. He's tense. He finds himself chaotic. Uh, so he keeps doing it when he starts learning from his own experience. And uh, if you got up late and you missed your bus and then you got late to the office and you got punished or you got scolded there and then next day you learn that I need to be on time. So these are the time chasers. They keep doing this till they learn from their own experience. And it takes them a lot of time to learn what they could have learned earlier. The second step we come to is when you start realizing that, no, I need to do something about it. And you start getting to the basic functions and basic tools of time management. So then you become a time manager. Time manager is a concept where, or a step where now you start understanding, you become a little time conscious, not fully, but you start understanding that there is a uh, need for me to look at my time. Start using some tools. Start making your to-do list. Start using Pomodoro technique and all those things. And then you come to the next step where you say, okay, now I'm a time manager. I can do what I need to do. You know, I want to get more out of my time. Then you move to the third stage of time investment. And time investment is when you learn some tools of what time you're going to invest in what. Like when we said the three things that you can do. So there are three options available to me. Which one? That means I'm able to evaluate which investment. Like when you have, a, have money, you try to say, where should I invest? This or this? Where will I get more return? Mm -hmm. Absolutely similarly, you will look at investing your time in that option which gives you the best result, best return. Okay. And lastly is the time creatorship. And time creatorship is when you become good at all this. You manage your time. You learn how to invest your time. Then you come into time creatorship where you learn the art of elimination, delegation, outsourcing, uh, automation, that you start creating more time, multiplying your time. Okay. Why should I do what somebody else can do? And this is a lesson uh, I learned and it is there in my book, Million Dollar Second, the whole story is there. Of one Mr. Saxena I met, he used to be uh, working long time back. I mean, in early 50s, he used to be the 
secretary to a md of a british british company and um, he says he used to be traveling with him to delhi by air and those days very very rich people only could travel by air and uh, he says but that man used to take me for meetings to delhi and he says one day at about 11 o'clock and we had a flight at 3 o'clock so i told him sir can i go home so he said for what he says so to get my bag and be at the airport he says no no you send ramu so ramu was a office boy there were no mobiles those days so he said ring up your wife so the wife had a landline at home ring up your wife and tell her to keep the bag packed and ramu will pick it up and give it to us at the airport so at about 1 o'clock when they got into the car going to the airport he was dictating some letters to him and thing like that they got in the aircraft and when they were sitting in the aircraft he said do you know why i told you to send ramu and not you from 11 o'clock right till now i have used all every bit of your time you have done your office work even in the car i have given you dictations and now you are sitting with me imagine if you had gone home and come then i wouldn't have used the, all this i pay ramu 200 rupees i pay you 1200 rupees those were the salaries those days so he says if some work bringing a baggage from home required a job which a person with 200 rupees capability can do why would i invest a person who earns 1200 rupees i pay you 1200 rupees i want your 1200 rupees worth to be taken out getting a bag is not worth that so this is what you learn when you become a time creator that you know how to get work done from where so like if if today i have a social media agency you have people who are working with you for social media you are doing it because you don't want to invest that time yourself somebody else can do it and that and that somebody else is an expert in that so why wouldn't i take an expert service from somebody at a cost which is lesser than my hourly worth and manage it rather than my doing all that myself and keeping myself free for my strategic thinking for my content development so i can focus on my strengths whereas i get other people to work on their strengths and integrate them so that is how in time creatorship collaborations mergers all those things come into play i think this is just absolutely phenomenal if if you have been listening to this episode if there is one thing that i would want you guys to take away from this episode then then this has to be it. if you just understand this framework and i'm going to put this on the show notes page of this episode four layers to a time consumer time manager and move up to time investor and then time creator if you just understand this i think every single person listening to this podcast is going to be a way better time investor is brigade vasin uh, likes to call so you have a book million dollar second where you share so strategies like that the ones that you have shared here on this episode for the people who are looking at time investment strategy for the digital age can you quickly share with us what the book is all about and why should you know people listening to this podcast get so million dollar second as i say it's not a book it's my mission of life this started uh, getting written when i used to get those little ideas when people used to say how do you get the 25th hour in a day there a lot of people in the army used to ask me how do you manage to do so many things in a day 
And I had a commanding officer going for a walk one day with him. And he asked me this question. Sushil, how is it that I see you? You are there in every party. You are, you send thousand birthday greeting cards every year. And you are uh, professionally, I find that your responses coming before anyone else's responses come. Everything that you do, I think you do well. How is it that you are able to get so much in your day's work, time than anyone else? And I started writing down, what am I doing which others are not doing? And then when I came into the corporate world, I started using some of those things I'd learned in the army. And I found that they were quite applicable in the corporate world as well. So I started writing uh, this book. And this book has taken me a couple of years to finally bring it to shape. So this book is, of course, all on time management. And today what we are talking about is all after the book was written. So it's not mentioned in the book. Like this time creators code is something very recent. So not a part of the book. But what got written in the book is are those basic fundamentals, early work, what do you say when you're busy, what is roti, all those things got written in the book. And the best part of that book is that I claim to be the only author in the world. And please tell me if you know of anyone else, because I keep asking and I haven't got one, who's got an online community of all its readers. So when you buy my book, I invite you to come and join a community where a book which is supposed to be a one-way communication from an author to a reader. And if at all the author gives his email ID, it may become a two-way process. But here it is a multi-channel communication where a reader of my book in Mumbai could go and exchange ideas with a reader in Holland or in Australia. So that has become one very, very unique feature of this book. And we have a community of uh, and I call it the Time Brigade. So the Time Brigade is a community which people join when they read this book. The second thing which is very unique about this book, and that is, of course, not, I won't say I'm the only one. There are a few books, but not many, where every chapter has a summary of chapter learnings. And then there is a page which is half dedicated to reflections. So the question is, what is it that I relate to in my life from this one chapter that I've just read? And based on those reflections, you have to write down your actions. That what will I do about it? And then this is done chapter after chapter till in the end you write your massive action plan. So I find that if you read this book, there's no way you will not improve your time management because you are not going to depend on what I have said you are going to depend on a probing that is going to be taking place chapter after chapter and it is going to come from within you. So instead of an external stimulus from an author, it's an internal desire that will be created by you to improve your time management and you will improve for sure. So that is why this book is very powerful in your at least getting into that discipline of managing your time. Awesome. Guys, I'll link that up in the description of this episode. I had my hands on this book as soon as the first package of the book was delivered to his home. And I was incidentally there when the book arrived. So make sure that you grab this book. You will get tons of yeah, ideas. I can, I, can say, I can say that you probably picked up the first copy uh, that came out of that box. 
and i think you were you were the one who probably went through the pages even before i had done that <laughs> i i'd seen a mock i i'd got a sample copy but not the actual copy yeah. so you are you were here that day so yeah i absolutely loved that and i must say tons and tons of concepts from you know about the time investment that i've learned from that book has really helped me and i'm sure it, it's going to help you guys as well i'll link that on the description uh go grab your copy so we are coming to an end of this conversation so before we end this conversation what is the last message that you want to share with my audience what i'll uh, share is that while we talk about productivity and we talk about time consciousness and all that i just want you to remember that happiness is the first goal and see how all this is focused and converges into happiness so learn how to be happy in life become absolutely a happy conscious person where time consciousness will help you to become happier because you came to this planet with a fixed time mortality means that there's a limit there and there's a limit we don't know how many years we are going to live but we know we are mortal so in those number of years whatever they be how can i get the best out of my happiness should be the aim so with that the time consciousness will become an integral part thank you so much this has been a great conversation and it's always such a pleasure to learn from you on our calls through your programs and uh, and your books now and videos so thank you thank you once again for being guest on the show the second time thank you so much thank you vijay thank you it was my pleasure and i'll tell you one thing i i love being in a conversation with you because i have also learned a lot from you in our conversations uh, whether they have been in person or on the phone and uh, continue doing the good work you are doing because um, you really feel proud when your mentee your student does so well in life uh, i really really feel very proud of you thank you thank you so much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Jio Seven, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you'd like to send me a voice note, you can do so by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash speak. That is theinspiringtalk.com forward slash speak. You can access the show notes of this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com forward slash one one four. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.